the holidays I try to wind down a little bit and relax. I will do everything. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry for the delay though. No, thank you very much. No, you're kidding. That's my duty. Would you please have uh, one for him? Take one per hand. One as a friend, thank you. Please, put you down. Yes. Uh, do you think you can pass them to the home? Thank you. Same thing. Hi. There you are, just in case. Could you give them to the rest of the room? Thank you. So good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the most entertaining, entertaining and spectacular class of the winter term of UCLA, namely spectacular entertainments in ancient Rome. And uh, I am myself, Paolo Monella. As you can hear, I'm a Japanese, not really. I'm Italian, and uh, I can try to fake a Japanese accent, but I thought that sticking sticking with my Italian one could be fun. Um, Whenever you don't understand me because of my weird accent, which is maybe not funny, surely funny, um, really be f feel free to, to raise your hand and tell me, you know, I don't understand what you're saying, or <laughs> could you say it again, or you're speaking too quick. Well, some people in Italy don't understand me when I speak because I'm too quick in speaking, honestly, so don't be surprised if uh, it's, uh, assume that it's my fault and so tell me to, to say it again. Um, about me, I graduated in Palermo, University of Palermo, Sicily, Italy, yes, that Palermo, and uh, in classics, namely Latin and Greek literature and Italian literature as well. We kind of forced to make Italian literature as well, but I like Latin and Greek best. That's why I, I, I wasn't content of having been uh, in classics for five years at university. I went to, PA, to a PhD program in Palermo as well, uh, in classics, and I specialize in Latin literature. My, and my thesis was on a quite sad myth, which was the myth of Procon and Philomela, but you don't really care about these details. But the thing is that it was quite sad. There was this woman having killing his, her own child in revenge, and the other one is raped by her brother-in-law. And uh, then I said, you know what, for the PhD, I'm going to study love poetry. And I studied love poetry of the first century before Christ, namely elegy, for those of you who are familiar with this term, Latin elegy. And then after that, I stayed, found nothing else better to do than coming to the United States and visiting UCLA for the, spring, for, the, for the fall and winter term. And I taught some Latin classes, and now I'm here teaching this class. Um, well, now I will should go over what we are doing, so what we shall be covering. But as you know, we're meeting Monday, Wednesday, Friday, once, uh, I mean, three times a week with no discussion sessions. So it could be something like I'm talking and you're listening. But since I hate this personally, and I find that there's no way that a class on fun, because this is basically what we're doing, a class on ancient fun, could be fun if I talk, uh, although I have this quite interesting accent, it's not always going to be funny. I think the discussion is primary in uh, whatever we do. This is the main reason for me to, to teach. 
uh, and I really enjoy being in the United States because as opposed to Italy here, you kind of have a different sort of approach to the students, to teaching, and students have a different approach to professors teaching and uh, uh, instruction in general, which is a more vivid one. So I will ask you constantly to intervene and ask questions and participate in the lectures, transforming them in a sort of hybrid between a lecture and a discussion. So far do you understand what I'm saying? You might understand. Yeah, okay, good. I don't assume this, all right? <laughs> so, um, so let's start off right now. I gave you these, these cards, and I will ask you to write down some, some things. First, your name and surname. Would this, okay, uh, just to be transparent, this will help me to memorize your names and who you are, more or less. And uh, to write, okay, in the first row, just your name and surname, if you don't mind. In the second row, I wrote it down because I forget things constantly. Your ear your major and minor. So this is just to know more or less, you know, if you're interested in classics, how long have you studied classics? Yes? You don't have it? Okay, sure. I'm sorry. Um, so your ear, major and minor, just to know, sure, how many people we have interested in classics, how many people come from out the outside world, where they will probably find themselves better than in classics. Here you are. So first of all, name and surname, year, major and minor, and then I forget the rest. Okay, and then the very first thing that comes up to your mind when you think of spectacle entertainment, Sinashiro. Yes, I know, Chris, I do it in every class. <laughs> I do it. No, I didn't do it in the last Latin 115 class. No, I did it in Latin 1 last quarter. I tend to do it. I don't know, I think it's fun. Or I also think that it could be a good starting point. The very first thing that comes up to your mind, how did the Romans have fun with spectacle? The first thing. And then you draw a line <laughs> and, you, and you write down the second and third thing. Like, how else do you think that the Romans could, uh, what, what do you think first? Okay, second and third. We think of spectacle entertainment in ancient Rome. Oh, two things. By the way, I was forgetting, I, I have this strange microphone because I'm broadcasting. We are online. As you may know, it is important for you to know, we, are, uh, we participate in the Broomcast project, which means that there is a site, a website. Uh, I don't have it, I guess, right now here, or probably I do. Let's see. Well, there is a website where you can download my beautiful voice with my... Yeah, very nasal, actually. I, 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 I see like a night, light nightmare the moment when I will download my voice and listen to it. Something like this. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. But, you know, are you trying to be serious about classical civilization with that voice and this accent? Okay, you can download the, the lectures later, just to review or whatever, whatever you can be interested in. So I will be wearing this microphone. This won't change our behavior, I hope. I mean, I'm trying to behave normally, although I know that I'm your registrant. I'm trying not to be too scared. Did you write them? Okay, can we collect them? Like, uh, how do we do this? That, that's interesting. That's the most difficult part. Could you just uh, pass to the other guy on the right, and I will go here on the right, and we collect them. Or your left, I'm sorry, on your left, and I will come here and collect them. 
Okay, let's try, let's start. Uh, give it to the guy at, at your left, please. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Hi, ready? Welcome back. Okay. Now, very quickly, the first thing I think of gladiators, uh, bloodshed, gladiators. Okay, G um, gladiator, gladiatorial games. Is it pro right pronounced? Sony, who was Sony Dance Drink? Great. So Sony is the first. Is there a gla Sony game, gladiator? Who wrote Sony as the first thing? Or well, I just don't understand. Song, song. No, I, I thought it was some, you know. But there are such games, you know, that game where the Roman soldiers fight in a sort Okay, Colosseum, gladiatorial games, gladiators, okay, etc., etc. I bet that the first thing, violence, great. The second is sex, by the way. Have you seen HBO Rome? Yes, you did. <laughs> I did too. The second or third scene is a sex scene. Um, major blood. No, I like this blood thing. Gladiator were better. Okay, good. I, I don't. We don't have to go on. The first thing is gladiator. Well, now when you have to teach a class like that, having studied for years the most subtle aspects of literature and language in classics, there are two approaches among my colleagues. Some say, you know, these guys have seen the gladiator. I'm not going to pollute my pure hands with the gladiator thing. I'm making a class which is a sophisticated literature class. Another approach is, uh, do they want this? Do they want to buy this? We will sell them what they want. We will satisfy the masses. Well, where I am, obviously I'm criticizing both. I think that if you're here, most of yours are on the, on the roster online are not classic majors. Many are from history, some are from biochemistry, I guess, or something like that. If you're here, you mean, it means that you're interested in the classical world. We all, obviously, our fantasy has been touched by this movie, I saw it too, and I think it's a good movie, being a movie. Obviously, it's not a, a textbook, a history textbook. I think that most of my colleagues don't realize that anybody in the audience, when you go to the movies, you know you're not going to see a textbook. You're not assuming that this is accurate historically. What's its aim? The aim is to, to develop our fantasy, to interest us in something invented, but based on real historical facts. So I see nothing polluting in dealing about gladiators. Indeed, the first part of our class, and I, guess I would say half of it will be about gladiator, gladiatorial games. So you'll be satisfied. Am I giving the masses what they want? Am I giving up to my noble mission? Probably not, no, really. I am aiming to do so. If we, including me, have been interested in classics for whatever reason it is, it doesn't mean that this is cheesy. It means that this is the first step to get into an aspect, an important aspect of Roman civilization. But from this surface thing, the interest, and I won't ever be as interesting as the movie itself. If you came here, you were assuming that you are going to be given something else than spectacle itself, but a reflection of spectacle. Well, this is more or less what we'll, we'll try to do. A further step. We'll try to understand what the gladiatorial games were in terms of who the gladiators were. Were they slaves, for instance? How did they become gladiators? How they how they used to fight, actually, what weapons they used, etc. But other than those details that you can see in a BBC documentary, I have the, high, the highest respect for the BBC, I am like a sort of addicted, okay, if I, I, I know my, 
In Italy, I look little television because Italian television tends to suck. But then in America, it, American television sucks even more, but it's useful for the language. So I see it, and I become, I became addicted to Family Guy especially. But this is another <laughs> I find the dog and the child. How you find it? I mean, enchanting. The child has an English accent, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. There was a, a, a show where the child was trying to teach an English girl English. Yeah. You know? The knife of the of the wife is the life of the wife is entered by the knife. How's my pronunciation? Oh, and, this, and then I'm also addicted to History Channel. Also in Italy, I mean, I cannot turn into into History Channel. I stay like that. Oh, I can't. I get, I get stuck, honestly. So I respect any form of uh, divulgation of our world. I think that if you come here, you're not watching History Channel. You're expecting to see uh, something even farther, going even farther, which is a learned a class, a university class, where there are some readings to do that will help us to understand if, even deeper than a BBC documentary how these shows, these spectacles would work, in which terms, what's the mindset that they convey, what's this test for violence about the Roman and American civilization, Italian civilization, why do we enjoy seeing violence, is there some Yes, a mindset a, a mindset, a cultural asset that lies behind, or what's the social ex asset? Why does a whole society turn around spectacles? And, by the way, who's paying for the spectacles? And who's earning money out of the spectacles? Imagine Hollywood, okay? In 2,000 years, our grand-grandchildren will study Hollywood, will see the movies. We'll, they will probably be, be interested in The Mummy because it's uh, sort of entertaining. But when somebody will teach a class on that, what will they study? They'll probably study who's making out the money of that, what philosophy, what mentality, what anthropology lies behind, and also who's paying for the movies. No? Um, why in the 50s the movies did not talk about some topics? about sex, for instance. Why McCarthy in the 50s made this sort of persecution against many artists in political terms? What's the politic that lies behind? Okay, behind entertainment, in your opinion, does, does politics in the widest sense lie? Is there any politics, any social issues concerned, or is it just fun? Obviously, obviously. Entertainment is something powerful. And we're talking about spectacle entertainment, so whenever there's spectacle entertainment, there's somebody who's acting and many others who are watching. So it's a sort of public entertainment, isn't it? It's not a one-to-one. -one if I go to dance in the discotheque, there are, there are books and books on the anthropology of disco dancing, right? But it's something else. But Hollywood, theater, uh, what's the, this, the American show? American Idol, American Gladiator. What lies behind? <laughs> there's, there are many shows. I, I got a sort of expert, but I won't go. Okay, mm, I want to expand on that. So, this is what we're going to do about gladiators, trying to go deeper, trying to go on the other side. And through gladiators, through the public spectacle, the violent public spectacles, we will discover the whole world, the whole Roman politics. Well, let's see what's the second and third aspect. The, yeah, the, okay, here, thanks God, it's chariot races. Because, thanks God, because it's the second part of our syllabus. By the way, I will give you syllabus later. Sex. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No sex <laughs> chapter. Well, it will be. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I should present this class in the most entertaining way. So I should 
encourage you not to drop. But so I should say, no, you know, you know there will be some sex around. So, <laughs> and I was thinking, am I going to prostitute myself to that extent? No, there's no sex, honestly. Weapons, comedy. Ah, comedy is the third. Mm. Men fighting animals and chariot racing. Gladiatorial theater, athletics, athletic contests, dance and drink. Drink is the first. It's not entertaining. I mean, it's, it's not. It's entertaining. I mean, it's the way they used to have fun very much. They were an alcoholic society, but they, it was not. It's not spectacle. Theater, dance, violence, big crowds, arena, acting, etc. Okay, perfect. I mean, we are on the same page because the syllabus that I'm going to distribute to you shows. Uh, in, in quite, how shall we do it? Do we pass it, do we pass it by hand by hand? Thank you. The first part will be, as you will see, on the gladiators, and will take a lot of time. But the very first part is called bread and uh, circuses. Do you know this expression, bread and circuses? This is a, a sentence of the Latin poet Jovenel. Whenever I say something not very colloquial, I will write it down because of the reasons you know. Jovenel, first century um, after Christ, so of our year, A.D. This guy was a satirical poet, a satiric poet, we tend to say, because satire was his genre. And he wrote many poems criticizing his society and the mentality of his time. In one of those, there's a famous Latin sentence, which is, the people today, in the imperial period, you know that Rome used to be a republic at the beginning, no emperor, no king. Okay, at the very beginning there was a king in the archaic times, then a republic. And then with Augustus, and then we are familiar with, Augustus is the little blonde guy in HBO Rome. Augustus, <laughs> the one who's very cunning from the beginning, you know, he knows where he's going. And he's going actually in the first century before Christ, at the end of the first century, to transform the republic into an empire. And so that's what we think of when we think of Rome, no? There is an emperor. Well, in the empire, empire, in the Roman Empire, Javanel says that people have lost their, completely their political sense, their sense of participation in the state, their, their desire for liberty. And all they want is, uh, accusative for those who know some Latin, it's panem et circenses. circenses. All they want is panem, so those who know, of yours who know Italian, so all of yours, or French. How is bread in Spanish? Pan, okay, this is obviously bread. All they want is bread and et. Kirkenses comes from circus, so and circus spectacles. All they want today is to be fed, to have bread from the emperor, because believe it or not, these crowds of the common people of Rome were fed by the emperor. The emperor, the imperial court, would distribute bread and other food to the people. So there was this mass of people who wouldn't even possibly work and were just or pretty poor in the city who, were, who was expecting for the emperor to distribute some food to them. All the one story is the very material and bestial thing of being fed and spectacles. And they're content with that. They don't ask for participation, they don't ask for culture, etc. This very famous criticism of the Roman society has become like a keyword. And that's the title of the first part of my, of my syllabus. The thing is that I gave all sil the syllabi to you and I don't have any. So <laughs> do you have any left, please? Is it left? Yeah. Thank you. 
Um, this means, as you can easily understand, that we will start off talking straight, going straight to the point. What's the connection between spectacle entertainments and what? And Roman politics, and Roman society. What does spectacle mean in the Roman society? What's this peculiar connection between the state that gives the spectacle and the people who receive it? Also in the Roman Republic, before Augustus, when the Roman Republic was a sort of oligarchic republic, meaning they, was, uh, they, did, they didn't have any king, they had a republic, but the nobles would basically have the power. In the Roman Senate, only the nobles could sit and take the very crucial decisions. Well, in that sort of oligarchic, aristocratic republic, so to speak, the nobles would offer the spectacles to the people in order to join, to create this link between the, higher cl the highest classes and the people. And in the imperial times, obviously, who will give the spectacles? Who will pay for the spectacles? Not the nobles anymore. But who? The emperor. Why not the nobles anymore? They weren't allowed to do this. They weren't encouraged at all. Why? Definitely they wanted to have a special and unique connection with the people. The people wouldn't, wasn't supposed anymore to be thankful, connected to one important noble, because he could, he could put a cast a shadow on the power of the emperor. So the first part will be this, bread and circuses. Uh, the second part will deal about the real gladiator. As you, will see, as you see, we will talk about the familia gladiatoria, meaning that it is uh, the group of uh, actors, so to speak, that would act but in a very bloody and real way in the arena. So a, a, a close-up close view of how they actually fought, who they actually were, where they came from, etc. We will discover that, you know, what's, what's, what, uh, what happens in the gladiator? What's the plot? I used, okay, uh, uh, I wanted to project a clip of the gladiator, like the trailer, which is in public copyright, but as you can see, I couldn't manage because we have no internet. So, but you know what's the trailer. What's the plot here? The gladiator, the movie. Okay, it's a, it's a general, it's powerful. Exactly, being a, a slave, right? But what happens next is what is most implausible um, from, a, from a historical point of view. What happens next? He goes into the arena and and gets some power through through the crowd. Exactly, and then he challenges the emperor. And what happens? Being a Hollywood movie, nobody be offended by. It. In French movies, people die at the end of the movie, right? So, because it's like more tragic. In Hollywood movies. The helper, the little helper of Santa Claus can die, but Santa Claus doesn't. <laughs> so the, her the hero normally wins. And in that case, if I'm not wrong, is it the He does. Yeah. does win, yeah. Can you imagine it like, <laughs> forget? Yes, he becomes emperor. He gains back his. No. Yeah, Us. Ah, he does die. Yeah, okay. I saw it, I just swear. <laughs> yes, they die, both die. So he symbolically wins, but. But if I'm not wrong, the emperor goes down into the arena and fights with him. Okay, this is very implausible historically, but that's a movie, as I'm saying. I'm not scandalized by the fact that we take an inspiration from the ancient fact and we pervert them. But this couldn't have happened. We will see that the gladiators were slaves and remained slaves. They were used by the politicians for this use, so to speak, in order to entertain the crowds. But 
There was only one episode in Roman history when the gladiators rebelled. Do you know what it is? Spartacus. And there was also a movie on Spartacus, obviously. But he was easily defeated in the, in the Roman Republic, in the times of the Roman Republic. I like to hear my voice talking like this, so I would. Let's put it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, sport, see, sport and races. As you wrote, there are also chariot race, race, races and um, athletics. They were a part of the spectacle. Um, American football is uh, a sort of middle way between gladiators and a real sport. Sorry, I am, I'm in Italian, so I like soccer, where people don't really tackle each other physically. But, uh, well, the, the American football and baseball, I know you like American football, I am sorry. <laughs> no, you don't? Okay. Nobody be culturally offended by my cultural diversity because I don't like American football. Okay? Uh, and please don't sue me. Um, the, <laughs> the Greek athletics in Rome, okay, wrestling and the pancration. And then uh, Ben Hur, chariot racing in the Circus Maximus, Maximus, etc. Water shows. Well, the third part will be pretty much the stage. So, theater. They were not these bloody, greedy, blood greedy people loving only to see people die all the time, you know, and nothing cultural. Uh, literature used to be a spectacle in many ways, but I spared you many technical aspects like the so-called declamations. Virgil, you know Virgil? He's the greatest poet of Rome in a way. He himself being a very exquisite literate writer and a very shy person, he was called the Little Virgin uh, for many reasons, but also because he was very shy. Um, he used to declamate, so to make public declamations of his uh, works in the court, so in the court, towards the emperor, towards uh, the royal court. Uh, so also literature, higher literature was a sort of spectacle. It wasn't anything, pri it wasn't always something private that you read in your room, you know, with a book, with a papyrus or whatever it is. Also, literature can be a spectacle, but the most uh, socially spread way in which literature can be a spectacle for the masses, for a group of people being socially relevant, so our class is called spectacle entertainment, so something public, what's the most, the way where, the point where literature meets entertainment and spectacle? It's theater, it's the stage, where literary text is performed towards the people, and it's fun, it's supposed to be fun. High literature normally tends not to be fun, and to be like, you know, an experimental uh, piece of theater uh, dealing with the existentialistic themes where nobody speaks for 15 minutes. Okay, normally there are no crowds <laughs> going to see it. It used to be the same way in the international realm, but there used to be a sort of spectacle that everybody would enjoy and go to see. Like today we go to see the Christmas movies or, you know, the mass movies together with uh, pieces of, uh, of, high, of high cinematography. But then again, we don't have to conceive literature and spectacle as two different words. Today, there are movies that are both successful and <laughs> kill it. <laughs> but it was discreet, it was the only ones, okay. But uh, today I'm lucky because I forgot my one at home. Whenever it happens, it happens to me, the, it rings, be harsh towards me. You told us to switch it off at the first lesson. Oh, by the way, switch it off. And now you have to do it. Don't, aren't you ashamed? Okay, like this. Uh, now, what were I saying? Uh, but, uh, yeah, spectacle can, entertainment, success can meet 
big art. Let's think of, think of Shakespeare. Shakespeare was successful, and the plays are, uh, are alive today. Okay, obviously, when you give the crowds, the, the audience, something that the audience is not expecting can be problematic at the beginning. But, okay, imagine Rome it was the same. We had the theater that was the soul. At the beginning, the Roman theater be begins as a, a double layer. So it begins like a translation of Greek theater, so high literature, but also as an adapting of these of these plays for the masses, for the Roman people. Their philologies, like my colleagues, tend to, tending to be very pedant, uh, like I am possibly, tend to think that the Greek theater is high literature. The Latin, the Latin theater, especially comedy, Plautus, P-L-A-U-T-U-S, like the first big uh, uh, comedy writers in Rome, writer, uh, comedy writer in Rome, Plotus, for instance, is low literature. It's a bad imitation. Just because Plotus was, uh, was having people... Do you know Benny Hills? Okay, in Plotus there are whole lines and lines where nothing happens. And there are people chasing each other with a stick. Like, like Benny Hills, pretty much. And so he was trying to find a middle way between high literature and entertainment. We will try to study the Roman theater, not from a literary point of view, and I hope you appreciate that I'm making violence to myself because I studied this stuff, but from the point of view of the stage. How did they actually perform things? How did the public enjoy it? What was funny for them, which is not funny for us? <coughs> you know, I think that one of the things why it's interesting to study the ancient world, personally, is because it's close to us, because our civilization comes from it. But the other reason why it's so interested, interesting to me is, because, is that is because it's so different. We have to realize that it's 2,000 years ago. Their mindset was so different. Honestly, I don't laugh when I, when I read Plotus. I don't laugh when I, see Greek, when I read Greek comedy, which is Aristophanes, because it's not funny anymore for us today. If you ever try to perform Plotus on the stage today, you have to adapt him. Because the puns that used to be so funny for the Romans are not. Okay, I'm Italian, and I try to hang out with Americans here. It's hard to have fun with people of another culture. Have you ever tried to hang out with somebody of another nation? You know, very different nations. Okay, Italy and Germany are quite different. But Italy, Europe, and Japan, and America, and Europe, and I don't know, whatever other, other culture, are so different that the... I, the sense of what's funny, the, 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 the pun, the wit, the wits are just different. It's just a different way of being funny. I went to the American Theological Association meeting. I came back yesterday, okay? I was hanging out with some German guys, and I've been studying German in Germany for years in, in my, during my PhD. And it was so awkward when I step inside, being so, you know, the Italian guy, hey guys, let's have a... and trying to make, to make wits, and they being really... Not that they don't have, like, really... Um, not funny, but <laughs> trying to, you know, trying to keep me content, but not laughing at all. It's really awkward. Um, now, the thing, <laughs> not that the Germans are not fun. They just have a different way to, to play. This is also something we could be interested in. Understanding that there are different ways to conceive spectacle, like healing people in the arena, for instance. And why and how. Or different ways of having fun um, in, the, in the theater, as opposed to what we have today, is a way to open up our mind. Just the very same way which I could study Indian and classical Indian literature and find it a completely different word. For instance, having, as far as I know, a completely different conception of time, 
of a circular time instead of a linear time, etc., etc. So this is another reason why I, I would like to present the Yanshan stage, not necessarily as a funny thing, but to study its structure, its uh, structure on many levels. One chapter will be called the comic spirit, which I chose for a reason. So what was comic for them? And then we will pretty much end it up. Now going, first of all, do you have questions on what I just said so far? I'll be speaking on myself and on what the class is about and what things we will cover. Any questions about this? Okay, no. You were just adjusting your hair. Yes, I saw it. Ah, no. <laughs> okay, good. The second part will be uh, of what I'm saying. It will be what will we actually be doing and how. The boring part. Uh, now, we, I chose two textbooks. One is the one that you probably already have in your hands, or you can access very easily. And it's that one. Gladiators and Caesars. The power of spectacle in ancient Rome. As you see in the title itself, there is this, there is this connection between civilization and spectacle. So Caesars, okay, politics. It is, what is originally? Originally it is the book connected that you would buy when you went to an ex exposition, an archaeological exposition, where it, which was basically uh, a collection of the exhibition. Let me read from the foreword, page six. The exhibition, so I'm sure that at least one of the sentences that I'm saying is without grammatical errors because I'm reading. The exhibition Gladiators and Caesar displays the material remains of Roman mass entertainment, notably gladiatorial combat, chariot racing, and theatrical performance. Uniquely, exhibits from trendy museums throughout Europe have been brought together with incomparable collections of the British Museum, says the director of the British Museum. So the incomparable British Museum has obviously <laughs> had a leading role in the putting together of this exhibition. So you will find this book is full of, uh, of uh, pictures. Of uh, which is uh, you know like children like like me to like uh, books with pictures. Unfortunately, I don't read the book with pictures with illustrations since years, and I and I no, I would like to. Uh, I miss it. But here the pictures are actual um, archaeological pieces, and you see visually the things we are talking about. I think this is a big advantage of this of this book. This is the book you know you go to the exhibit, and then when you get out before I went to the. Disneyland and to the Hollywood Studios lately. This, namely, this uh, I am a foreigner. I go to those places. Uh, you, you're in Los Angeles. You're supposed to go to the studios. You expect to see the studios, and you don't because you go. You know, you make a race in this, uh, a ride in the mummy thing. You know what's it called? You go up, and then all of a sudden, have you gone there? Yeah. It's too short. The mummy one is just a buff, a bluff. <laughs> You go there and you go very up and then down and then you're like it slows down. Okay, now it's going, it's going, and then it opens up and you're out. And, it, and it, in the other, in, in the other attractions, everybody when you come out is like like this, and you have the picture. And this. In this one, everybody comes out is like so what? <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, how did it relate to? Okay, whatever. Now I went to the Hollywood Studios, and uh, uh, and when you get out of any attraction. Before you get out, they don't allow you to get to be free. They go, they have you go through a shop where you can shop the book, you can shop the mummy, the mummy mask, and whatever. Now, when you go out of this exhibit, being British, so having a sense of uh, Anglo-Saxon way, a sense of merchandising as well, uh, they try to sell you this book, basically. 
So this book doesn't have historical sources. It's a book that many colleagues of mine would hate because it's not learned enough. But I think that having a visual approach make, can make the thing more vivid, the approach more vivid. You know, you see the thing. There's no words to describe it. Also, I will try to project, if I ever find, get my laptop working, uh, here because there's no, no internet wireless connection, uh, to project things, little clips of the gladiator, obviously, and of anything else that I find to be quite interesting. Hopefully, it will, be, it will give us a way to get through, to get into the thing. Also, since this does another way to get close to that word, to have a, a, a more intimate, a, more, uh, um, a closer relationship with the, a closer testimony out of this word, is, in my opinion, uh, to read what the people of that age wrote about their word, so the so-called historical sources. Um, since it doesn't even quote the historical sources, we have to put another textbook into our program, into our syllabus. And this basically, okay, you have you have it in the in the um, in the syllabus. How would you pronounce this name, Futro or Fatro? Futro. Let's agree with Futural. You know, we'll be the only people in the United States saying Futural, like anybody else saying, but you had an Italian teacher, I'm sorry for you. Uh, <laughs> like, imagine the ones who learned Latin with me, Latin one, with the Italian accent. That's funny. But we are Romans, much more Romans than the Germans, so Italian accent is supposed, historically supposedly closer to Latin. Okay, this is a source book. It will cover the same themes. The same things, more or less, from a different approach. First of all, he will give you another vision because it's another book. Obviously, he will talk about more or less the same topics. But as you, as you can more or less see from this page, you see there are. Take it into account, and whatever reading we will uh, we will have, it will be online, available for you to download and print. I will go over this in a second. Now, very shortly, this book is built that way. It speaks a little bit in the white part about the theme, but it's meant as an introduction, as a lively, discursive introduction to the historical source. And then he lets Cicero speak. If you can see it, we have uh, about half of a part is gray, which is English translation of Latin or Greek text. And half of the part of the page is white. I think this is the best way to read the sources. I mean, as good as I can be, which I'm actually not, I cannot comment any single source Hey, look at this. Any single source that I'm commenting, um, <laughs> um, in detail. You, in this way, will have a very detailed comment. You will, uh, I guess, be helped to uh, understand texts coming from a, from a culture you're not very familiar with, maybe. Okay, let's do this. And so this is our textbook. We will not read all chapters. We will read all chapter, chapters against the, the last one, as you see in the syllabus. So we will use this book and that book, Gladius and Caesar and Futro. The, the other books that are in the syllabus that are lost, which is here, here we go, will come, okay, go on page one of the syllabus, no? Between page one and page two, Sejo. Now, GC is Gladiators and Caesars. F is Futro. Toner plus Wiedemann, Wiedemann and Duckworth will be the other books that we will read. Don't worry, Wiedemann is an English translation. It's not the German original. Now, uh, we will read chapters out of those books because any one of them has a different approach. I will be honest with you from the very beginning. Gladiators and, C and Caesar and Futro are 
um, divulgative texts. They're easy, in a way. They're meant for people who have no clue about the classical antiquity. I know that many of yours do have a, more than one clue. But I'm designing this class for those who have no clue, you know, because there must be no child left behind. And so <laughs> what's the, is this a Republican model or just an American thing? Is it? I'm not supporting anybody. <laughs> Officer, okay. I am not supporting anybody. I stayed there, there, there after. The no, honestly, please, <laughs> don't get me in trouble. And uh, okay, so okay, the other text that is uh, toner, especially toner, which is a little bit philosophical, but not un not ununderstandable. Un un it's perfectly understandable, but it's mentally and culturally more challenging. Even for me, when I wrote it, when I read it, it will challenge us a little bit. The game of death in ancient Rome, it's still a meditation on those topics. So, so to speak, the way we're, gonna, we're going is the following. We'll read the chapter out of this book that will give us an introduction. Like the first chapter of this book, Panem et Kirkens and Bread and Circuses, will be a sort of historical introduction in the history of Rome from the point of view of spectacle. No, through the mirror of spectacle, how we will see how the history of Rome will evolve the political history of Rome. So how about the kings? No, the kings is very short here. But how about the Roman Republic? What's the role of the nobility, of the common people? How did they interact with each other through the spectacle? How about Augustus? What does Augustus do in, in politics, in history, and in the spectacles, etc., etc., etc.? Okay, it's an introduction in the Roman history through spectacle. It's kind of interesting. It's short. Okay, first of all, we will read this, which will be our introduction to a topic. Then we will go at the source of the thing. We will read the sources, the ancient sources. Then we will read a chapter out of the other books that will give us a sort of reflection and a step forward, you know, a, a little bit more elaborate and sophisticated to think about the things we just learned practically. Um, so I didn't know that there were water games. The Romans were so uh, fond of these things uh, that they would not only have a gladiator fight, fighting with another gladiator, for instance. They would have a, a, a whole troop of soldiers, gladiators, fighting with another troop, imitating a battle, a field battle, no? like war. Like when we see a, a, a war movie, we see the movie because we have television and, scene and movies, they didn't have the movies. So in the, the only way to see, I'm like defending the poor guy, the only way to see a war movie was having people killing each other. I'm not defending them. I'm saying that's more or less w how it worked for them. But they also wanted to go forward to say, I'm not, uh, how about, okay, we've always be, been seeing field battles. No? How about naval battles? What's the only way these poor guys could be a naval battle? How could you imagine it? How could they possibly do it? In the Colosseum, as you know, because we went to Rome, didn't you? And they should tell you, uh, you know, here down, that's true. In the Colosseum, they would flood, they would make a flood, and they would uh, cover everything with water and have ships floating over there and have a naval battle, which costs an amazingly big bunch of money. But so this goes together with the rise of the, emp of the empire, of the empire, or when we are approaching to the empire. So there are single political men having so much money and being so greedy of power, so concentrating the money, the capital, and the power in their hands, so they can, they can handle this. They can pay for this. And uh, then again, politics and spectacle go together. So what are we going to do? First, we learn that such things happened in, uh, in this book. Then we read the Romans 
talking about these things in this other book, the source book, and then we will read another chapter from another book that will explain us what's the political and the social meaning of those spectacles. This is more or less how we will, how we will go working. Now the question, before asking you if you had questions, one very intelligent question is how are we going to read the other books? What, are we, what I will do will, will be, for Futural, I will put the readings online unless, so in the period, in the first weeks, when you won't be able to buy it. But as long as it's available in the bookstore, I won't do it anymore, I guess, because you know, it's required. For the other books, being Plus, Wiedemann, Duckworth, etc., I will put their chapters, the chapters that we're going to read online, because they're short chapters, they should be free from the copyright for educational purposes. Um, so, where are we going to find it? Now, I will ask you, are you familiar with the eCampus website system? eCampus. Is there anybody who doesn't have access to eCampus? There could be. Because, okay, in other classes, the UNEX, UN, so the extension students normally don't. In this case, if you have any trouble, write an email to me. We will arrange, I will email you with the, with the thing. So I'll put the PDF files and other materials that we will use online, the eCampus website, in the material section, in the material part. And the class that I taught, this, uh, one of the two classes that I taught in, in, in um, what, what, what is the last season, in fall, uh, where Chris was there. Um, not Chris, uh, Nick. Well, Nick was there. I've been teaching him for 10 weeks, so don't expect that I know your names <laughs> in the first days. I'm sorry. Okay, um, I built up a real website in the eCampus website, full of um, all sorts of text, images, and everything, which was very time-consuming, but interesting. So I, will, I really believe in digital humanities. I forgot to say that one of my side interests in research is digital humanities, that is the application to, oh, this thing is not working. The application of digital, techno uh, digital technologies to... <laughs> The, te the, technic the techniques of sound will go crazy with this because uh, my volume goes up and down, etc. Um, okay, I will I will use intensively the eCampus website. Uh, you I, you will find there whatever you mean, your whatever you 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 will need. I'm also a sort of uh, computer addicted, so if you will email, I will check out five five times a day. So feel free to email whenever you want with whatever question. Um, unfortunately, I've not been easy able to use the new version of this, which is frugal-based, you know this? What's it called, the new version of your campus? I don't know, other professors use it. Okay, I will, we'll use this one, your campus. Well, I think it's pretty much what I wanted to say. Any questions about anything? You're already moving, okay, let's go, let's go. Yes, let's go in a second. <laughs> they are, yeah, in the syllabus. Yes, exactly, and let me say that I will insist that uh, there's an important say I forgot to say uh, thing I forgot to say. I will insist that you have the readings ready for that day. I understand that if your cousin is visiting from Baltimore that day, you can't do it, but it shouldn't happen all the time. As I told you, I would like to make out of those lectures a little bit of discussions, meaning that I will start off asking volunteers, obviously, or if there are no volunteers, anybody of yours, to summarize shortly the readings. I think this is a good way to make it less boring than it was today with me talking all the time. And uh, I also think this is a way to make up for the fact that we don't have discussions. 
right? So the way we're going to work day by day will be approximately this. The volunteer will summarize the readings. Either we choose a volunteer the day the lecture before, or we you volunteer in that moment, or we ask, I ask somebody else to summarize different readings. Then we will start from the from what the summarizers you've been doing with the discussion, and I will try to step in whenever it's I feel it's necessary to point out something that is not precise or something that has to be added. Okay, so are there volunteers? What's the what are the assignments for next time? The pace of this class is not particularly heavy, but I'm afraid not so easy either. I mean, we'll have at least 25 pages every day to read, 25 to 30. For next time, there's this intro historical introduction, bread and circuses, and the sources, the politics of the arena. No, only the bread and circuses, I'm sorry. So who's volunteering for next time? Who wants to relate? You will do it? Okay. Any questions left? Nothing? Okay, thank you for coming. I'll see you next time.